I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Mm-hmm. That's all we get. Uh, what, I, I don't know. What do you want? What wisdom would you like? Don't, don't tell me love isn't true. It's just something that we do. Oh, actually, I, I should have mentioned this. So Madonna, her new uh, greatest hits, like greatest dance hits album, Finally Enough Love came out this past week. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been listening to it. Have you? No, I was not aware of it. Uh, you sent it to me. Uh, you sent notice to me yesterday, but I was too busy um, combing through uh, Donna Summer B-side. So. And you did that because the other day I was sitting on the couch and I started playing Donna Summer songs. Yeah, I, I think because we, we regularly watch... Why did I even do that? It was just random? Well, we regularly watch Eartha Kitt videos. So. Yeah. So I think uh, YouTube is saying, you must like... You must like Donna, yeah, so I which put on, I do. So I put on some Donna Summer stuff, um, and I guess you were inspired. Well, you know, uh, she's a very interesting person and has some... Oh God, anything that she's saying that was produced by Giorgio Moroder, I mean, is so fucking good. Uh, but it's interesting watching her, because you watch some Oprah interview from the 90s. Yeah, her personality belies the fact that she was a disco queen in the era of decadence, because mm-hmm. she seems very... Um, like a homebody, she's her attitude's a little like. Um, I was a little disappointed because she's well, she's very matter of fact. Yeah, but like so, apparently Donna Summer became an artist later in life, like like in the nineties, very arbitrarily. So, like, yeah. yeah, and then the way she describes it, it's like, well, I just started painting, and if people are gonna pay for it, I'll keep doing it, and it was just very. Um, I wasn't impressed with her. It just even how she describes her home life and and then how she talks about how she doesn't like to look in the past and Oprah even says, Oh, so when you're singing these songs we love You're miserable. Like are you miserable? like are you do you not have the same joy we all have listening to you? And she's like, No, no, I mean I like doing it. It's just like, oh God. But it's almost like she's never had PR training. Like just say the shit people want to hear and live your life privately because <laughs> Yeah. I remember when she died in twenty twelve, which is I mean, young. I got the chance to see her in concert, and um, and this was in 2005, I believe, and her voice was crystal clear. It was so strong, so many hits, and then she sang opera at a certain point during the show. It was all very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. But- uh, she reminded me on that Oprah interview, and maybe it was the wig, like I could see the black Michelle Williams playing her. <laughs> Do you think Black Michelle Williams can act? I don't. No. I, I, I don't want to cast aspersions on Michelle Williams' uh, abilities, so maybe. I bet she probably... Sorry, I had to walk away. I bet she probably... Like Kelly Clarkson. I walk away. Check her IMDb. I wonder if she's done some, some, some weird little... That's yeah. on BET Plus. Which we'll talk about BET Plus later. Because <laughs> there's some gems on there. <laughs> But no, my first topic was we reviewed a movie called Frank and Penelope. Oh God! Uh, back it was this was like a month ago, uh, and if you haven't watched the review, you should because I think it's kind of funny. It's it's long; it's thirty minutes long. The movie's terrible. It'll probably be my number one pick for worst movie of twenty twenty two. Yes, I agree. But after we posted the video, the main, like, two of the stars of the movie, like, messaged us. <laughs> and they both said that we're funny. 
Because, I mean, we give a pretty bad review. Bad as in we think the movie's terrible. But I think we're kind of funny. Uh, the one was Kaylee uh, Cohen. Yeah. She's the, the star, the lead. She's Penelope. She also happens to be... Uh, Casey Affleck's girlfriend. Casey Affleck's girlfriend. She messaged us saying, like, you guys are funny. This is the best review I've seen. Although, if you look on YouTube, there are only, like, three reviews. So... <laughs> and then... The, uh, and then one of the stars played by G- what's John- his- Jonathan Sheck. Jonathan Sheck. He made a little video of us talking about his hair in the movie. Which blows- well, specifically me you, commenting yeah. on his hair. He made a little video of it and put it on his Instagram. And then he sent it to us saying that we're really funny. Which is so, so funny because I-, I kid you not, I did think he was so... Uh, like. I, I knew who he was in the 90s, and as a kid, I remember thinking he was very handsome. Um, Did you ever think that Jonathan Sheck would know who you are? Oh, oh God. I did forget to mention that review. One of the films that I loved him for, which I forgot about, is Greg Araki's The Doom Generation. Have you ever seen that? No. Rose McGowan? No. And uh, James Duvall? Was that his name? Yeah. Anyway, so shout out to Frank and Penelope. Uh, I can't recommend people watch the movie, but I do recommend they watch our review of it. And then Nick did some research, and apparently Michelle Williams is in a movie that comes out this year or came out this I think year. It came out. It stars her, and Romeo T- Miller, uh, Master P's son. And Tina Knowles. Tina Knowles is, fe- well, Tina Knowles Lawson, because mm-hmm. you know she's made of Richard Lawson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other people, Antonio Cupo and Tyler Antonius. I don't know who those people are. Oh, but what is the premise of the movie? It says it's a seven deadly sin story on Lifetime. It's a Lifetime movie. <laughs> well, guess what we're watching later today. Oh, God. <laughs> if it's on Lifetime, that's my next secret but, but movie. But see, this, you could see her playing Donna. Michelle Williams is gorgeous. Yeah, but she could... like. Oh, yeah, but I, and I don't know that her voice... I don't know that she could... Sing Donna Summer song, so wow. that might be a challenge. That's true, but she on that opera, she just gets out there and belts out this opera. <laughs> like oh it ain't God! No thing. And, and it was like nothing. She was just standing yeah. there, like she was waiting for the post office to yeah. deliver her package with her business suit, <laughs> with her sensible business suit, and her uh, her hair was, you know, it was 1997, 98 when that interview took place, I believe. And it's funny because she has that same version of red hair that Janet Jackson was wearing in that same year, mm-hmm. but. While Janet's doing some weird fucking tentacle shit, <laughs> Donna Summer almost has like the Jennifer and like, like the Rachel haircut. Yeah, it is. But in this really but deep in elevate, auburn, an elevated Rachel. But yeah, in this really deep auburn color, like red mahogany color, which is interesting. But yeah, she's stunning, um, and the voice is perfect. But um, I don't like talking about politics, and I'm not going to now. I just wanted to share that I knew that. People talk about Hunter Biden and some of his nefarious dealings with mm-hmm. the Ukraine. And so, I, like, I didn't know about that, but I didn't know because I was listening to a podcast and they were like, oh, yeah, like Hunter Biden's nude pictures. So, of course, I'm in the drive through at McDonald's with a little time to kill. So I look up Hunter Biden nude and there are all these pictures of him, like, with a prostitute, like, doing cocaine. Mm-hmm. Holding a pistol, pointing the gun, like, at the... Wow. Did, did he look good, in your opinion, or...? Um, well, he's probably, he's a middle-aged man. Like, I don't know. Because his daddy like, is well, old as hell, so he's probably, like, what, 60? Or... I mean, Joe Biden's, like, father time at this point. Joe but Biden was very handsome when he was younger, 
And Joe Biden... Uh, yeah, it's around the time of the Korean conflict. <laughs> and Joe Biden is, uh, you know, for his age, he's a put, well put together man. His son, um, he looks like a handsome man who's maybe gone to sea because he partied too much. Oh, okay. But his body is like, I mean, my body's going to look like that in like two years. I mean, he has a normal 55-year-old man's body, but... But you're not going to be 55. No, but years. you know what I mean? Like, he looks fine for his age, and his body's not anything to make fun of. But mm-hmm. it's just like, I can't believe that the president's son has these pictures out here. But then that made me think... About Justin Trudeau and the blackface photo. Yeah. Because I didn't know that his dad used to be the Prime Minister of Canada. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, you know, people make mistakes. Like, it's really unfortunate that he took this pic, you know, that Justin Trudeau did blackface at a point, And I'm sure he regrets it. And I'm sure he understands why it was wrong. But that's when I didn't know that his dad used to be Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, wait, 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 wait. You grew up. In a political environment, Lack you are luxury. very you are very well aware of the consequences of your actions, mm-hmm. and that there's a microscope on you. Yeah. So then now I'm feeling kind of a way about him doing blackface. Like, how the hell did you not know this was inappropriate? You didn't care. You thought the shit was yeah. Fine. None of the nobody cares that grows up like that. Moving on, did you know? Have you been reading about Army Hammer? Not lately. So. There was some, he got some attention last week because there are photos of him selling timeshare in the Caribbean. And the report is that like his family has cut him off. Because, you know, the criticism of him is like, oh, he's super rich and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he came from money. He came, his grandfather was like an oil tycoon who was worth, at the time he died in the 90s, like $180 million. Mm -hmm. So like very wealthy man. But there was a lot of back and forth within the family about where that money went. Mm-hmm. So As usual. Yeah. So Army Hammer, I'm sure, didn't get money directly. I'm sure there are trusts and maybe his parents had control of some of it. But apparently he, Army Hammer was cut off. So I was reading and Vanity Fair wrote that the six months that Army Hammer spent in rehab, Robert Downey Jr. paid for that. And Robert Downey Jr. has been letting Army Hammer and his family live in some of his homes while he gets back on his feet. And then well, he has since left that timeshare because there's too much press and he mm-hmm. can't work. So that Robert Downey Jr. has been helping him. But I just wanted to say, like, it's really fucked up that a person just trying to make a living is like people are making fun of him for just trying to work. Because they did that with my doppelganger, Jeffrey Owens. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is that man supposed to do? Like, even though Army Hammer seems like a douchebag to me, he still has to take care of himself. Yeah. And I kind of really am impressed that that fool was like, well, fuck it. Well, he's he's doing what he needs to do, which, you know, okay. That uh, Kudos to you. But uh, yeah, like, just just leave him alone. Like, who cares? Yeah, I I think it's so gross that it's like people are making fun of him. Like, he's just trying to work. And yeah, if I showed up at fucking Whole Foods and Scott Bale is like bagging my groceries, I'd be like, whoa. But still, like, we all have to work. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't know. Anyway. That's interesting. Robert Downey Jr., you know, they made it, they made it, the established, the Hollywood establishment made it very difficult for, do you remember Robert Downey Jr. trying to come out of rehab and get his well, life together? His, and, yeah, so maybe he relate. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're friends or maybe he just relates to the struggle of being a celebrity going through hard times and well, you know, cause clearly Robert, Robert Downey Jr. has all the money now. So. Right, but you know, he came from, his father was Robert Downey Sr., the film director. <laughs> 
Okay, I, I didn't know that, but it's just funny. Like I've been trying to get you to watch... I, I think I need, need to make it a secret movie, but like Putney Spoke, but anyway. Moving on, episode 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 7, the all-winner season. Uh, episode 10 was the Kennedy Davenport Center Honors Hall of Shade. So all the queens had to do a roast mm-hmm. of each other. It was pretty good. I think everyone did a good job, uh, except poor Jada... Jada fell. She fell hard, but in true star fashion, she 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 kept it moving. She kept it moving and just made fun of herself for kind of doing such a poor job. Mm-hmm. So in the it was cringy, but then it was also like funny because mm-hmm. she was very self aware. Ultimately, the top two were Jinx Monsoon and Trinity the Tuck. I agree with Jinx Monsoon. She was really funny. Um, but I don't know that I think Trinity... I thought Trinity's set was very good, I'll, but the runway was questionable. Uh, so I, I'd assumed it would be either her, Monet, or the Vivian as the second Well, winner. then speaking of the Vivian, the Vivian tweeted last night that they didn't put her best jokes on the show. Because, oh. you know, they edit out. Mm-hmm. They all do more than what actually gets yeah, put in. Yeah. So then, of course, she's saying that they edited her portion to justify her not winning. Because she says she had much funnier jokes. Wow. So, um, that's interesting. But we all know it's produced. and they. Because another thing that seems kind of sketchy is RuPaul announces that for this episode, no one can block anyone. And I think that's probably because they want... To give Shay a fighting chance? They, they want to give Shay a fighting chance and they want the finale to kind of have like... I, I think what they're trying to do is make it so that everyone has a shot in the finale. Because if Shay wins a second star, now we have four people... I'm sorry, five contestants will all have two stars. Mm-hmm. So then they're going to have to have some tiebreaker for them because then we already have the top three. Mm-hmm. So, that, for, you know, so for production quality... It, it you know for for storytelling purposes it makes sense that they would arrange it that way so this you know this thing is rigged anyway i'm I, i'm really tired it's like don't even bother having critiques because you're not going to read these these performers honestly um the runway theme was all glowed up to me glow up means like look at me now i i look so much better than i did when i was 20 but they mean it is like a like a light show like literally glowing in the dark but it took me by like the fourth queen to realize that that was the challenge mm-hmm. <laughs> oh and then ronan farrow was the guest and judge. then ronan farrow was a guest judge which i thought was interesting uh he's an interesting person to look at he did give some nice critiques like he's uh, clearly he communicates very well so good for him mm-hmm. i don't think he was a shit judge no it was just weird to see ronan farrow judging drag queens but apparently he's like a mega fan all right, so we've been asked this question before, so I decided to maybe try something different and have an advice section <laughs> that's not movie-related. Okay. But I don't know how I want to do this because I feel like, you know, it's awkward with privacy and I don't want people to feel like they can't ask a question and then I know who they are. So I didn't. So I don't know the best way for people to submit questions. Just have your doctor send us your files. Yeah, just have your health, uh, your medical health <laughs> records transferred to me. No, so I guess like we have been, we have received questions already, 
Uh, so I guess however the individual feels comfortable sending the question, then I'll answer it. And I'm just going to read what the question is. I'm not going to say the name. I'm just going to read the question. From uh, Susan Porter in Connecticut. In Connecticut. In New Haven. 43-year-old Susan. <laughs> um, no, so here's... So this is our first attempt at this. Who knows if it'll continue. But here's the question. And it was directed towards me. Mm -hmm. How did you meet your partner? I'm finding life to feel quite hopeless. Plus, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth in terms of looks. So it's worth investigating. That's the question. Okay, you sound like you're unhappy with this question. Okay, because there are many things about this question I don't like. Yes. The biggest thing is I'm finding life to feel quite hopeless. Because to me, like, you have bigger fish to fry than trying to find a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ain't, the man's not going to solve your Ain't problem. nothing going on but the rent at the end of the day. <laughs> if you're feeling like life is hopeless... Attaching onto another person in a romantic sense is not going to solve that problem. No. You need to work on some other shit. In, in fact, if you're using that to fill that void, I'm not qualified to give advice per se, but I believe that if you aren't uh, in a good place using, or, or in a place where you believe you need to be, if you just diving into a relationship, you know, the, the, being with someone, uh, the sentiments go up and down and you can lead yourself to your own ruin if you're putting all your investment to someone else and not putting that same investment into yourself first. Agreed. Um, the first part of the question, how did you meet your partner? We've talked about this before, like in a Q&A video, but um, living in Minneapolis, well, I was living in St. Paul, Minnesota, and there was a gate. I was living in St. Paul, I was living on my own, and I was part of a friend group that Nick was also familiar with. Mm -hmm. So I used to live like next, I used to live in downtown St. Paul and there was a gay bar in downtown St. Paul called tricks, tricks, a good place to pitch a tent. Was that the, was that the tagline? <laughs> so I would, it became something else. So yeah, like rumors or something. Yeah. So shout out to tricks slash rumors if they're still even open after the pandemic. But, um, I used to see Nick there, mm -hmm. but he really wouldn't like pay me any attention. Later I'd come to find that, he didn't really notice me because he wasn't single, but I did notice you. Well, or that you did notice me, but you didn't take action. Cause I think at that point I was frustrated. Like, why wouldn't this guy, cause I was clearly doing the thing where it's like, you know, what, ha what has always worked for me is like, you know, you make eye contact and if someone likes you, they'll come over mm -hmm. to me. That's been my experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I was a little turned off that you didn't, find me appealing is what I assumed mm -hmm. because you didn't approach me even though I was being clearly showing you attention. But again, that's also my fault. And that's part of my advice too is like, you know, you I can't was, sit around. You have to kind of go for what you want. Yeah, so I, I was also uh, 23. Right. You were young. Probably and 22 when you first you, saw me. You were young. Yeah. You're probably 22. You were young. You weren't single. I was relying on my old method which was i don't do anything a dangerous method. and i still don't right i'm very much like you do it like you do put on all the work mm -hmm. but so that's a, some separate advice don't be like me put in the work but i i subsequently would see you around at like house parties and so then at that point i kind of just ignored you because i had already had like a bad taste in my mouth about you because you didn't pay me attention mm -hmm. and then a mutual friend introduced us so this is before you know, the apps, this was like us having to meet in real life and a mutual friend introduced us. 
If I had to date now, I don't know. It would be difficult. Yeah. Because this bird has flown. Like, I mean, uh, you know, the appeal that I had 20 years ago is not the same as it is today. I could argue that in many ways I'm better, but mm -hmm. I don't think so. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I would date online. I, mean, I do take a good picture, but it's like, you know, you just don't... <laughs> you know what I mean? What if you don't? What if a lot of people are not... A lot of people aren't photogenic. A lot of people aren't good... You know, a lot of people aren't funny, yes. right? Like writing a profile that's a reflection of who you are. I think I do a pretty good job of presenting a, a version of myself that seems accurate. Like I'm kind of morbid and difficult, but also like, you know, humorous. I have a sense of humor. I don't take myself very seriously. And I think for someone who knows me well, you would agree that I'm a mix of like a very depressed donkey and like <laughs> I'm a combination of Eeyore and... You know, Eddie from Jennifer, Abfab Jennifer Saunders. Yeah, and Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, if, if you mix Eeyore with Jennifer Saunders on Abfab, that's me. Like, mm -hmm. so. Um, this time. Uh, <laughs> so how would you say, like, before I get to the last part of his question about how we look the same, because that's a problem for me. Uh-huh. How would, what, what advice would you give a young person on how to meet someone in a romantic way? Um... Because I don't have shit to say. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, you know, as, as being old enough to straddle a divide and how people kind of meet and communicate, I don't think online is doing anyone a, a service that is beneficial in any real way. Yeah, you can find somebody that way. Like, you can find somebody any which way. It depends on how hard you want something to work. But I think it's, it serves you much better to just be yourself. And, you know, how many gay men have you talked to that are like, oh, like, blah, 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 I'm afraid of rejection. We're all afraid of rejection. Nobody likes to feel like shit or like they're not worthy. But, you know, somebody rejecting you, allowing you to make you feel like you're not worthy, it's like, no, they're just not for you. They're not on your wavelength. They, they, we're not meant for everybody. We're, right. we're not meant to connect with everybody. That just means that that is not your person. It has nothing to do with you not being good enough. Uh, is how I have chosen to approach things. And if somebody wants to be shallow enough to try to hurt my feelings because, you know, you know, because some people will go in on why they turn you down. It's like, well, fuck you. Like, who cares? Again, it's just more evidence of like, that person's toxic. You dodged a bullet because you didn't waste any of your precious time with them. But I, I think that my advice is to, to, to meet people organically, meet people in person. We can't order people off a menu based on preferences uh, or or sexual position or uh, if they like to work out or not. Like, it's just so arbitrary and ridiculous. Like, you don't know how you feel about somebody until they're right in front of you. And if you see, like, do they have any swagger or, you know, like, it, it's just meeting people in person. So that relates to the last part of this person's question or comment saying that, like, essentially he felt like because he and I look similar that... Like somehow what works for me works for him, but similar, <laughs> but, but that doesn't make sense because now you open, you open up a can of worms. That's kind of problematic because you're implying that then like, like the nature of how you appear says something about who you are as a person. What you deserve. Uh... We are not the same. We may look similar, but we may have very different personalities and levels of intellect and humor. And this person might be much more funny and smart than I am, or maybe they're better at sex than I am, or maybe they're, or, or maybe the dick is trash. I don't know. Like you can't, you have to work with what you have and connect with people who see you as an individual. Mm -hmm. So the fact that like 
yeah, I could easily place myself in arenas where like, you know, there are apps specifically for black men and people who want to be with black men. Yeah, I could, I could say do that, but then, then I'm playing myself out and I don't agree with that behavior and those attitudes. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, it's, I agree that it's so important to meet people in, organ in an organic way, presenting oneself in an authentic way. And if you're having difficulty meeting people in that way, it's not you necessarily. If you're going out there and you are being your confident, um, uh, self-aware, if you, well, you know, not going out there looking for it is part, part of the trick, but it, people are going to be attracted to that as in you're not bothered. Well, that's a good point because I think talking about how technology has changed, if it, I, I think there's a combination because, you know, I do go out just because I like, you know, I am out often, whether it's to a bar, a restaurant, somewhere, like I'm out and about. And then I think, okay, so then people see me and then they message me on an app. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like what you said is like putting yourself out there, you know, first of all, getting to a place where you feel confident, right? Because if you're feeling quite hopeless, you're probably not exuding your authentic self in a strong, confident way. So you're already like... Well, in a healthy, stable down. way, you know. Yeah. But if you are good with where you are as a person and you're optimistic about your future and you want to share your life with someone, then I think you just have to be out there and mm -hmm. do that. And, you know, like Oprah would say, like, you have to listen to the universe. And <laughs> that gets back to the appearance thing. I think so many people have, like, this checklist in their mind of, like, the perfect person for me. They're going to look like this. They're going to have this kind of car and live in this neighborhood and make this kind of money. And I would say throw all that shit out the window mm -hmm. because it's hard enough meeting people you actually fucking like. Mm -hmm. Look how hard it is to just... I meet so many people and they might like me, but I'm not featuring them. And it's like, it's just so hard to like... It's very rare that I meet someone and I'm like, wow, like, I like you. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily romantically. I just like you. I like your energy. I like the way you talk. I like your sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I just like you. It is so rare to even have that. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that shit, you want to put like romance, sex, certain height, body size, sexual uh, preferences. Like, good luck. Good luck. I think people are seem to be afraid of being weird and silly. Like, I often get comments about like, oh, you're a weirdo. And well, yeah. <laughs> but not really. I'm not really. I don't... I, I, <laughs> I think on the spectrum of weirdness, like I'm, you know, functional. But I don't think you're weird. I think you have very strong interests and they sort of, it, that's infused into everything. And I think, you know, it's the thing that drives me crazy about you, but it's, but, but it's also the thing that I really liked, which was that, you know, so few people have like strong interest in things, right? Mm -hmm. Because going to the gym, going out, drinking, that's not your personality. Like, you can't make that your personality. If you do, that's kind of lame. Mm -hmm. Like, like who are you? What do you like? What excites you? It can't just be, like, scamming for dudes and doing sit-ups. Mm -hmm. If that is you, whatever. Go off. But I'm just oh, saying. Oh, and brunch. Yeah. And brunch. Yeah, like, if your personality is Taco Tuesday and brunch and that's the only thing you live for, then, I, I mean, I, it, it might be hard to find someone of substance who sees you beyond just that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we're ranting a lot about this thing. Maybe giving advice is not the best. Because... Well, I, I, I mean, 
I can only go from my own experience as a human, which is I maybe limited, but. So I think moving forward, if people want to send questions, I think they need to be very specific about like, what would you do in this instance? Because when they're kind of broad like this, I'll just go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we, we might have to refine this. But moving on um, to the sorry to this man section. In the video for Don't Make Me Go, that new movie with John yeah. Cho. Yeah, what happened? I said that the end of the story that he... Like, it flash forwards, the, the movie's about a dad whose daughter dies mm -hmm. when actually he had a terminal illness, but then he gets treatment and now he's going to live. So now he's living without his daughter. And the end of the film is it flashing forward a year and mm -hmm. he's with his new girlfriend. Yeah, they're going to look at some meteor shower. And something. they're going to live their best life. And I said, and then he doesn't even think about his daughter. Oh. But that's not true because at the end, it's made clear that John Cho and his new girlfriend are going to drive to Texas to look at a meteor shower, which was the daughter's suggestion. So that means that he was honoring her. I don't so, think that's such an error. I don't think it's like, you know, catastrophic, but I, I'm being honest in saying that I, part of my thought about the movie was that he just moved on without thinking about her, and that's not true. Well, again, like his daughter's suggestion, it's not like she was... Um... Uh, obsessed with meteors or no meteor but he was doing or... something in honor of her or with her in mind so that is separate that contradicts what I said so I just wanted to clear that I up I think that also just exemplifies how poorly that screenplay really is written for that character because it's this basic girl that has no interest and she happens to be in Texas and see shooting stars and that's the only reason she makes that stupid suggestion I agree she, but I don't want to be that kind of person she doesn't who makes have a any... mistake and then they try no, to make no, no. excuses for why they made a mistake no like... no no but it's just like uh, again who cares about this character because she's not well written but but again i made a mistake so the purpose of me saying that is not to make you have excuses. received expiation okay films released we didn't cover pause of fury the legend of hank yeah didn't watch that uh one up no and also um mel brooks has a voice in that isn't he dead is he? I, feel I like, guess so. Yes. I don't know. Anyway, so when did this when, when did this voice track I don't, get recorded? Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank. There are other Pause of Fury movies, right? Yes. I don't. I haven't seen any of them. I haven't either. If there's more than two, I don't know, but but we can move on. One up. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, these are all things you bypass, but uh, somebody named Kyle Newman directed, who I'm not familiar with, uh, but Ruby Rose stars in it, who you know from The Meg. And um, wasn't she Batgirl in the series? Maybe. I don't know. Ameri that, that hair. That interesting Next. American Carnage. Uh, yeah. Theaters and VOD. Diego Halavis. Jenna Ortega stars in it. Uh, who is in the latest Scream film. Acting her heart out in one little scene. Uh, all for naught. And she is also in something else I'm thinking. But she's going to be Wednesday Addams in the series that Tim Burton directed. Well, we'll be talking about Wednesday Addams too mm -hmm. shortly. Uh, the Deer King, uh, an animated film that sounds actually pretty good. It's getting, I think this, I think I read it's getting a larger uh, uh, rollout in theaters. But uh, Masashi Ando and Masayuki Miyagi uh, are the directors. Gabby Giffords won't back down. Uh, this is a documentary about a congresswoman who I think survived an assassination attempt and but developed aphasia. Uh, the directors of the doc, Julie Cohen and Betsy West, we saw that their we saw their last doc, which is my name is Polly Murray. Oh, moving on, the Gray Man, the Russo brothers. Uh, so Netflix gave it a lead 
a theatrical release this week on starting the 15th and it'll you were invited to a press screening early yes but you couldn't bring a guest and then i asked to go and they said no so then i didn't get to see it you didn't go either well, yeah, fuck them. But uh, it does sound interesting, so I'll probably watch it. Well, we'll... We can still make a video for it. Yeah, we are. We'll, but it comes out on Netflix on the 22nd, so I think we're gonna, we'll get the screen. Oh, link. so we, we probably will post a review for this movie before it's released on Netflix. We will. Uh, but it's just like, don't play those games. Like, we can't invite everybody. Like, shut the fuck up. It's a Netflix movie. Anyway. Well, uh, who knows? They might have had space limitations. Oh, and... Every time I've ever heard that, I go there, and then you see all these people, you uh, all these things people in LA attend all these things and they all have guests I don't give a damn like I, you know it doesn't really matter whether I watch the movie a week early or I post a review a week after it comes out it's probably going to get the same amount of views I'm so. going <laughs> to I'm going to say what I'm going to say I said what so I said so I'm still going to yeah I'm still going to talk about it I do have Netflix anyway moving on a movie called She Will Oh, you skip okay. Yeah, she will. Which I th- I wish we had made time for. I reviewed this out of Locarno last year, starring Alice Krieg, uh as a as an actress who gets revenge uh, through supernatural means on the film director that abused her uh, decades prior, played by Malcolm McDowell. Um, Charlotte Colbert was the director, but it was interesting. Another Netflix movie called Persuasion, uh, which I didn't watch. It stars Dakota Johnson and Henry Golding. Uh, I have only read two Jane Austen novels, and Persuasion is not one of them, and I feel like I need to read Persuasion before I watch a modern adaptation of it starring Dakota Johnson, so I did not watch this. Okay. Lastly, uh, Alma's Rainbow. I'd hoped we'd got time to this because I asked for a screening link. Um, it's a restoration of a 1994 film uh, directed by Ayoka Chinzira. Uh, I, I, was it produced by Julie Dash? It's in the wake of Julie Dash, who was, of course, the first... Uh, black woman in the u.s to direct a movie that had a theatrical release which of course was daughters of the dust uh, and this was the last film this woman directed uh, she went on to do lots of stints in television uh ava duvernay is a, tr- a champion of the film and of course has hired this director to uh for some episodes of queen sugar but anyway i, I still i plan on watching that this week Okay, movies we watch for fun. This might take a second because I've watched several of these. <laughs> the first one is something called A Message from Brianna. Okay, so we subscribe to BET Plus. Oh, yes, this is the BET Plus, uh, Plus moment. So I was flipping through their selections. Again, I think that I would rather have a subscription to Brown Sugar. Uh, but I recognized... Um, I forget. If anyone works at Brown Sugar, give us a free subscription. Uh, sh- Oh, no, it was the plot description, because you don't see a lot of horror films starring an all-black cast. And I don't remember this movie. Which all, Shit. But it's about an evil little girl, it, basically, in the plot description. Oh, that's right. So, oh, my God. So this begins um, the filmography uh, we explored uh, with, what's her name? It, it, the director is Deshaun Hardy, and he had a couple other films, uh, but starring... Ozia Epperson, who, who we all know as Tasha Skanks from Greenleaf, Basie Skanks' wife in Greenleaf, oh my God. who's Child, beautiful. This movie, a message from Brianna. This shit was wild. <laughs> the daughter is possessed mm-hmm. <laughs> by the spirit of a woman that the grandfather killed. Well, he molested and killed this girl. No, no. Th- when when Tasha Skanks was a little girl. Her, she, her grandfather... No, it's the husband's grandfather. The husband's grandfather, I'm sorry. 
he and his wife took in a little girl, like a, an adolescent girl. A waif. And the grandfather started molesting her. Mm-hmm. And as the girl got older, you know, became like a, a woman, the wife caught her husband having sex with this girl and instead of confronting her husband the wife kills the girl Mm -hmm. so it's the spirit of this dead girl brianna Mm -hmm. who is haunting this this little girl this couple who we see that has inherited the grandfather's house oh my god that shit was so terrible it's so bad but the best thing about it is uh epperson at a point is like we, I don't want this baby anymore. Let's drop her off at the church. Yes, that is the best. And part. she goes, we can start over again. And they, they straight up just go drop this kid off in front of a church. And nine, six months later, she's pregnant again. I have to applaud the screenwriter because I feel like that felt. I don't know. I don't believe in ghosts and spirits, but if they were real, and if I had a kid, and that kid was possessed by a demon, we're throwing that baby away. And we're starting from scratch. And that's exactly what Tasha Skanks did. And I thought that was very funny. But anyway, that movie was so bad. We're like, what else has this director done? So you looked up his filmography and he had a newer film Mm -hmm. with a very interesting Uh, cast. Ozia Epperson and Andra Fuller. So we decide to watch that. Mm -hmm. And that shit... (laughs) It's called Dear Best Friend, Ooh. also available on BET+. And, oh, and then we were interested because Trina stars in Trina's it. Trina's in it. We have to tell the basic story. It's about a woman whose husband is basically trying to like kill her so he can get her inheritance. Mm-hmm. Because but, he's trying to open a gym with Jeremy Meeks. And Jeremy Meeks is in <laughs> it. So he wants his money to like start a business. But anyway, part of this couple's story is that they had to have a surrogate to have a baby because they were having fertility issues. Mm -hmm. Okay. The surrogate knows, and Tasha Skanks is also in this movie, obviously. She's the surrogate. No, Tasha Skanks is the one using the surrogate. No, she's, she's the surrogate and her best friend dies. Oh, and then she keeps the baby. And then she keeps the baby and takes the friend's man. Yeah, I'm making it confusing. But it's important to know there's a surrogate. In, so the sur, um, the woman who was using them as a surrogate, she dies, but... And her mother goes to jail for her murder. But instead of her telling her friend what her husband is up to, because she knows everything, mm-hmm. instead of her telling anyone who will listen and making videos and emailing them, this lady decides to write a book. Under a pseudonym. Uh, under a pseudonym, a self-published book. Give it to a black-owned bookstore and then hope it finds its way to her friend. Do you remember how it does? Yeah, they're at, they're at a... Her birthday brunch. They're at her birthday brunch and some lady who has purchased the book walks by and accidentally like drops her bag and they switch bags. So by happenstance, this woman finds this book... That is basically a story of her life. Mm-hmm. And then her reading it uh, causes her to question her life. And so that in its, that is the most unbelievable thing I've ever heard. <laughs> then the book is not big. No. The book looks like maybe it's like 60 pages with large typeface. And this lady is not only taking forever to read the book, but she's reading it in a tree. She's reading it <laughs> on top of a car. car. Yeah. She's re- 
This is a. She's reading it while she's painting a portrait in the yard. This like, is a fucking. St- oh yeah, she paints her friend in the yard. This is a fucking straight up novella, girl, about your life. Read that shit. And then, y'all know I don't read, and I could have read that book in like a lunch break. And then Andre <laughs> Fuller, like, how many scenes? Is like, God, you're obsessed with that book. Uh, it's like she's just reading she, a book. She shows up to the bookstore, and Trina's like, Oh, so you're so and so. Here's the original manuscript, and she just like digs under the cash register. <laughs> If you have BET Plus, if you don't have BET Plus, they're having a special now. You get two months for 99 cents a month. I think it's worth watching I. Dear e. Best Friend. The reason why Joseph agreed to. Because that shit is so out of control. Anyway, we need to keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. Next is a movie called First Match. Yes, uh, the first film from the lady that directed Where the Crawdads Sing, which sounded a lot more interesting based on the cast. Uh, about the story of this uh, young black woman who becomes a, a wrestler. Uh, and it was, I did like it better than Where the Crawdads Sing because it feels uh, just like everybody in it's a little more lived in and authentic. Uh, but also uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, I thought was pretty good as her dad, the girl's dad. Okay, so a friend of ours wanted to hang out last week mm-hmm. and he said he would bring a movie and he brought Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yes, which I'd never which seen. Which I'd never seen. What year is it? 67, I believe. It it's... stars Julie Andrews, mm-hmm. Mary Tyler Moore, Carol Channing. Who's the really handsome guy who looks oh, like John Henry Cavill? Ga- John Gavin, who's the Rock Hudson knockoff that couldn't act. And then who's the blonde? Bag. James Fox. Who I liked. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed you... Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yes, it was very enjoyable. Very dark. It's about the like white sex trafficking. <laughs> this shit, who knew? It is about... Asian people, like like there's like Asian generic Asian people, like who, one of them played by is it Pat Morita? One of them is Pat Morita, and then the ringleader is this woman who's white, clearly white. Yeah, they're, they're trying to make her look Asian, and they are trafficking white women for sex, and we see them like cooped up in this like whorehouse, and I could not believe. But but that's like a side plot. The main story is that Julie Andrews wants to marry. Her goal is she wants to marry like a man of substance, like in wealth, mm-hmm. and she wants to be his equal. A boss. But then the gag is she meets a guy who he presents himself like working class. Mm-hmm. So she kind of gives him the cold shoulder because she really wants to be with her boss because he's a boss. But then the gag is the guy who she really loves, but who's not rich, turns out to actually be very rich. Mm-hmm. And that his stepmom who's played by carol channing she's she told him go out into the real world find a real woman but don't let her know you're rich and if she still falls in love with you then you know it's for real Mm -hmm. and then you can let her know that you're balling out of control i would watch this movie again it was very it's long but but it was so cute carol channing is so funny so carol channing was oscar nominated for this uh she lost to stell parsons for bonnie and clyde but what an odd interest as muzzy von hosmere (laughs) she said Uh, every time she's on screen it's so delightful because she's in her late 40s here and god that hair (laughs) then there's this mechanism the filmmaker uses where it's only with julie andrews where if something weird happens and she has a thought she'll look to the camera and then a title card will come well, up. Well, because it's set in the 30s. With what she's thinking. So very much the style of like... Silent film. The silent, film make, uh, si- silent films. I thought that was really cute. It was. Um, the music's cute. The dancing's cute. The guy the, who she ends up falling in love with, the, the blonde guy, James I Fox. thought was really cute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The only thing I didn't like, Mary Tyler Moore, first of all, her makeup was terrible. Yeah, she looked like a cadaver. She looked like a cadaver. But also like... she. 
She really doesn't. I mean, next to Julie Andrews and Carol Channing, that lady doesn't. She doesn't pull your attention on screen. No, not the at same. All. Well, she not a, not in this role because she's playing kind of a, a, a simpleton. Yeah, but it just, I mean, it's just unfortunate because next to the other two women, she just like melds into the background. Yeah. Okay. Something, um, But directed by George Roy Hill right before he did Butch Casting, The Sundance Kid, and then The Sting, you know, oh. which are iconic, which is the proper use of the word iconic would be to use it to describe those films, not whatever somebody wore on Drag Race this week. Oh, God. Okay. The Sea Ahead. Um, I have to review this film this week, but it uh, played at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival, um, directed by Ellie Dagger, about a, a young woman who returns to her family's home in Beirut after kind of having absconded to Paris for some time, um, which was interesting because she goes back into a, a bad routine for her in Beirut. But you don't get to see a lot of films set there, and I thought it was uh, well shot. little uh, familiar, though. So another friend came over last night mm-hmm. to watch our secret movie, but then after we were done with the secret movie, we wanted to watch another movie, mm-hmm. so we watched Adam Family Values. Adam's Family Values. A- or Adam's Family Values. Um, <laughs> Braxton Family Values. Which ha- you'd never seen? Which is part two. Um, I'm sure I've seen it, but I, but I don't know that I saw it all in one sitting, because watching it last night, I didn't realize... How funny it is. Yes. And how, how dark it how is. How queer it is. How gay it is. <laughs> like, um, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And Christina Ricci is Wednesday. Well, I didn't realize a gay man wrote it. Yeah, Paul Rudnick, who wrote Jeffrey. Oh, my God. It's just... Yeah. it You you can tell, oh, Queen wrote this. Oh, yes. And I loved it. But it feels very hard, far ahead of its time and the subtlety. Like, all of the things with Peter McNichol and Christine Baranski and that Nazi-looking summer camp... Uh, you know, yes. it's really far ahead of its time. Oh, but just every line from... Joan Cusack. Just all of that is so good. Um, even Carol Kane with them crazy-ass <laughs> teeth. That even she's so good. Because that role is a little obnoxious. But I really enjoyed the movie. Lastly, we watched... Debbie. We watched... <laughs> still on BET+. Plus. You uh, put this... I went to the bathroom. I said I wanted to watch Eraser. Because I haven't watched it for years. And I okay, come out. You said you, so. This was last night. No, no this was Friday night. Mm-hmm. Friday night, you said let's watch Eraser, and I said sure. I've never seen it, and you know I love some Vanessa Williams. And then you get up to our bedroom, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there like you have some incriminating text messages on my phone. You're looking at me like, hmm. Looks like you already watched it because you know when you pull up movies on Amazon. It'll say resume. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, according to Amazon, you've already watched an hour forty five minutes. And I'm like, well, not to my knowledge. So then you seem fussy about it. And then I told you to rewind it so that I could maybe, maybe it could rejog my memory. And it didn't. And it looked a little dry. So then you went to go sit on the toilet for a while. No, I brushed my teeth. Thank you. Okay. I don't know what you were doing in there. Brushed my teeth. And when you come out, I had a movie on called The Great Divide. I'm like, oh, boy. A 2012 film. That was on BET Plus. Directed by somebody named Ibrahim Yilla. This shit was terrible. Also a notable cast. Well, notable cast. Did, uh, so who's in it? Tashina Arnold. Golden Brooks. Um, Richard T. Richard T. Jones, who you're like, who's that? He's plastered in... I mean, he's in Why the Did I, I Get Married. married. Yeah. Well, the first one. Um, this shit was terrible. But it was so bad that I kind of found it enjoyable. Um... Wasn't there somebody else that was... Yeah, there's like a... The, the girl who used to be on 106 in Park with Bow Wow. 
Okay. Um, she's in it, but she's not credited on IMDb, so I don't know. Um, anyway, the this shit was so bad that I was kind of amused. I mean, it's ridiculous, like, on a Tyler Perry, why did I get married, dinner Everybody's scene. stuck in one location. And they're all, like, like, yeah, like, secrets are revealed, and none of it makes sense. Um, I'm very curious. So someone like Tashina Arnold has had a very successful career. Mm-hmm. She's been on, as far as I can recall at the moment, two very successful shows, Martin and um, Everybody Hates Chris. Mm-hmm. She consistently works. It's very interesting why she would do a movie like this. And it's obvious that her, Richard T. Jones, Golden Brooks, these are people who work regularly. And even the other actors, for the most part, they did okay. It wasn't, nobody gave a, a terrible performance. No one gave a shit performance. It was just like this, when you read the script, what were you thinking? The script and the, you know, the lighting, it looks cheap and it, it just seems like they're all kind of above that. Yes, I agree. Okay, we need to keep it pushing. So, projects of interest. Something called Close Your Eyes. Uh, Victor Arise, who hasn't uh, directed a film in over 30 years, has a new project called Close Your Eyes, which is very exciting. Um, his most, his two most notable films, of course, are Spirit of the Beehive, which you have seen, uh, and El Sur. Uh, both, I think both those are on Criterion. Um, I I want to read the novella El Sur is based on. Anyway, uh, yeah, that that's exciting to me. Do you remember Spirit of the Beehive? No. About that little girl. Um, In the Beehive? No, uh, where uh, the film Frankenstein is being shown on a, those old dusty road shows. Absolutely not. Oh, okay. But you've seen it anyway. Next, The River Wild. Uh, how dare they? They're, they are remaking a Meryl Streep, Curtis Hanson, Kevin Bacon film. Uh <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Uh, ben Katai is directing a remake of The River Wild set to star Leighton Meester, Adam Brody, and Taron Killam. Well, I like Taron. Sure. I like Adam. Leighton was... We just saw her in that movie. I don't know, oh, my, where she's in like Greece or somewhere? Yeah. That was actually pretty good. That wasn't terrible. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you're interested in Bad Boys 4. Well, interested because like all the drama... Like everybody's like, oh, Bad Boys 4 is still going forward, even though Will Smith slapped Kevin uh, or Chris Rock. And it's like. Oh, and then our review of Bad Boys 3, people were so angry we didn't like it. Well, it's not good. And I didn't like and it. And Martin looked terrible in that. That's he looks why, bloated. That's why at the reunion for Martin, he looked much better. Well, it's just like he looks so bloated, and then it's like these action. It's just like, oh, so you're supposed to be like an action star who looks like he can barely get out of the couch or oh. off the couch, but whatever. Um, lastly, something called Demon House. Uh, Lee Daniels is directing an exorcism movie. Ooh, yes. Which has a fucking phenomenal cast Monique, Andre Day is the lead, Glenn Close, Omar Epps, Anjanou Ellis, Rob Morgan, Miss Lawrence, who was in his uh, Billy Holiday film, Demi Singleton, who just played Serena Williams in King Richard, and Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things. Well, this is something I'm, I, I would be um, interested in. Oh, yes. And then Glenn Close is the. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Someone named William Hart. Uh, Yeah, he was the lead, well, one of the singers in the Delphonics. Can you name a Delphonics song? Didn't I? Didn't I know it, baby? Right? That's Delphonics. Okay, I don't know. But he was 77. Well, rest his soul. Yeah, didn't I? No. Anyway. Next, uh, Ivana Trump, the ex-wife of Donald Trump, passed away. Um, Yeah. I don't... I don't know much about her except, you know, as obviously someone born in the 70s. I mean, I remember her being married to him and she's always had that same blonde mm-hmm. French twist updo. 
Uh, like the brainless version of Patsy, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have any thoughts about I this remember, person. I, I it seems like she despised Donald Trump, but I don't I, know what her politics are. And she um, her, the the circumstances of her death seem. I read that it's accidental, but that um, like you know, she seemed like she was in good health. So for her to die of a heart attack, I believe seems unusual. Yeah. Cause she's really not, she's in her seven early seventies. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, my first memory of her was watching first wives club as a kid, uh, and having my parents explain to me who she was because oh. she comes on screen, you know, cause she was the first wife. Uh, and then she will probably always be on my shit list because she got pissy with Sigourney. <laughs> Oh boy! Over here we go. Over uh, Galaxy Quest, because when Sigourney put the blonde wig on, she said that she felt her IQ dissipate or something, and uh, Ivana had, was upset about that. To be fair, Sigourney shouldn't have said that. No, but that's it, you, I mean, that's, but she's being funny. Yeah, but you're asking for trouble. Like you can't insult an entire uh, from, segment of people from like, blondes everywhere. But I think you know she. I do it all the time. She but, went on to say that based on how people treated her, like people treated her differently. Sure, sure, sure. So, but anyway, anyway. Um, I need to pause for one second. And I'm back. All right. So the secret film. It was your choice. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose this movie? Because uh, I was jogged. My, I hadn't haven't thought about this movie for years, but um, I listened to the song that is based on regularly. But I really wanted the central romances and where the crawdads sing to have the same energy as the film I chose, which is "Ode to Billy Joe." The 1976 American drama film directed and produced by Max Baer Jr. Who is Jethro Biden in the Beverly Hillbillies. Jethro Bowden. Biden. Bowden. Oh. <laughs> Hunter Biden's brother. Uh, that was a Freudian slip. Um, I had never heard of this movie. I didn't know anything about it. And I have to say, like, again, we watched it with a friend who had also never seen it. And we were both like... Oh my God. Well, because we had a friend over, I made a thematic dish. Okay. What did that have to do with the movie? Oh, well, it's, it was more of an event than usual for... Sure. Um, I thought this movie was excellent. Yeah. That... I was so... There is so much about this movie I like. like. Like, just the performances, the vibe, and then the actual story is like, oh my God. It hit me like... It slapped me upside the head, like when we find out what the actual, like what's actually well, going yeah, on. Well, because I didn't tell you anything about it. it was... You didn't tell me anything about it. And then when you said it's based on, like that the movie's based on the song, the opening of this film is the song, Ode to Billy Joel. Part of it. They, they Part stopped. of it, which you mentioned, sung by Bobby Gentry. And in the song, she says like he jumps off the Tallahatchie Bridge. So then immediately I said, oh, so this boy kills himself. Mm -hmm. which he does spoil i mean it's not a spoiler alert that's the damn song mm -hmm. but then why he kills himself is the gag okay so the basic story is there's this young girl named billy joe i'm Bob sorry bobby, bobby lee. lee played by glennis o'connor bobby lee is this like really smart really sweet kind of precocious girl who's like overcome with her hormones mm -hmm. so effectively she's horny all the time i forgot how horny this movie is and it is a, I mean, it is a joy to watch. It is so well done. It's mm -hmm. so funny. It's so um, sweet in a way. But she just wants to hunch up on a man. 
And there's a boy in town named Billy Joe, played by Robbie Benson. Mm -hmm. And Billy Joe is made to seem older than her. They look the same age to me, but it's it's made clear that she's only 14 or 15. Then he's maybe just graduated. And maybe he's like 18. But he is all up in her shit. Like, and he is just doing everything he can to be with her. Mm-hmm. She finally sort of succumbs to his like desires in that like she'll she'll like entertain him. Mm-hmm. But then they're building up to like because her parents don't want her to see a boy yet. She's mm-hmm. too young. But finally, there's a I have notes, but there's a scene where she talks to her mom about like. It's really funny because she tells her mom, like, you know, every time we go into town, you doll me all up. Like, I'm the baddest bitch in town. And then all these boys want my attention and you tell me no. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you do this to me? And I was like, yeah, why do you... It was just so well done how mm-hmm. she does, says it. And then the mom finally says, your dad and I think that since there is a boy... You can have gentleman callers. You can have... Like, since there's a specific boy, you can have this gentleman caller and you can bring him by. Mm-hmm. Okay, but everything culminates with there's like a uh, like a dance. Yeah, there's like a local shindig. There's like a local shindig where people are just dancing, getting drunk, and there are also like prostitutes from Yazoo City who are. This like, is set in Mississippi, by the way. It's set in Mississippi in, the, in 1953. In 1953. As people are leaving this like shindig that's out in like a field, the prostitutes have set up their own little area, so all these drunk men who leave Including can pay their little quarter and mm-hmm. get some fun. So, uh, Billy Joe has been begging Bobby Lee to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. But she keeps saying, we need to wait. So, he's drunk. He leaves the party with his friend. Co-worker. Co-worker. And they go by the prostitutes. And he's looking at one of the prostitutes. And she's sort of, like, available to him. And then it goes dark. Mm-hmm. Then we see him, that he's been missing for days. Mm-hmm. Finally, he shows up. And he tells Bobby Lee he did something terrible. So he won't tell tell her what. He won't tell her what. So at first we think, oh, he had sex with a prostitute and he feels guilty. But then we hear someone say... Her brother. Her brother that a prostitute got beat up. And did not pay. Somebody couldn't pay for... They said the price of the dalliance, which I love that. Yeah, someone couldn't pay for the hookup, so they beat up the prostitute. So then Bobby Lee's thinking, oh no, Billy Joe beat up a prostitute. But the gag is, he didn't have sex with that lady. Billy Joe is gay. Mm-hmm. He had sex with a man. His boss. And not just any man, his boss. His much older boss. His much, much older boss. Mm-hmm. And he can't live with himself, so he kills himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we flash forward a little bit. And now Billy Joe is a hero. Because everyone thinks he got Bobby Lee pregnant. And that's why he killed himself. And that's why he killed himself. So now he's a hero. But, which is so fucked up, because the entire town is shunning Bobby Lee. Mm -hmm. Saying that you cannot have this bastard baby. So they tell her, you need to go get an abortion. Even though she's not pregnant. Even though she's not pregnant. But she doesn't want to tell the truth about what happened. So she's just letting everyone think she's pregnant, even though no one said she was. She doesn't have a belly. And then one day, as she's leaving with her suitcase to get on the bus to go anywhere Mm -hmm. to pretend she had an abortion, she bumps into Billy Joe's boss. 
And he's like, hey, girl, I was actually going to your house. Why? I got to talk to your dad. About what? Well, and then he basically admits to her, I'm gay. I had sex with Billy Joe. And I need to clear all this up. Because, because I see that your life's being ruined. Because I see your life's being ruined. And she says, hey, first of all, if you do that, it's going to tarnish Billy Joe's name. Because he's a hero right now. And then what's that going to say about me? Like, I can just go off for a few weeks, pretend I had an abortion, come back and everyone will love me. And then for you, she's like, look how they're going to treat you if they find out you're gay. And you probably might have to go to jail. Because I'm assuming there are sodomy laws or whatever, or, you know. So she convinces this man to stay in the closet. Mm-hmm. Don't tell his business. Don't out Billy Joe and let her go pretend to have an abortion. And then he drives her to the bus stop the end. And she's like, well, I think it's an exciting adventure. I was so impressed with the writing. The writing The is handling so of the subject matter. Billy Joe and Bobby Lee are not what you would expect. First of all, they are so... And I mean, what you would expect. I assumed that these were going to be two country bumpkins, you know, in the Jim Crow era South. I thought they were going to seem so racist and hillbilly. They are so articulate, so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, the way they talk to each other. Bobby Lee is just... She's just such a great character. Mm-hmm. Um, should I try to go through little notes I have? Mm-hmm. Okay. Early on when we see that Bobby Lee is like, or I'm sorry, Billy Joe is trying to push up on Bobby Lee and she's deflecting him. He goes to a strip club <laughs> where the Choctaw princess is being featured. Yeah, that's, actually, just, that's a woman that's been fucking her brother. <laughs> And this girl, you have never seen someone look so dead inside doing this strip tease. Yeah, she's not <laughs> happy. Oh, the relationship between Bobby Lee and her mom. They have a very open relationship. Like, they they talk. Mm-hmm. Like, Bobby yeah. Lee's very honest with her mom mm-hmm. about a lot of things. Like, talking to her mom about being horny. Mm-hmm. and Like, how does she do it with her dad? And, like, I, I found that, like, the way it was handled so impressive. And it's so contradictory to what we would imagine these people in this region at this time to be like. That mm-hmm. is just so refreshing. Okay, Bobby Lee. I keep forgetting their names. Bobby Lee mm-hmm. has an imaginary friend named, named Benjamin. Benjamin. And it's like a little doll. And she talks to the doll because she has no one else to talk to. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so sweet. That's sweet. And then metaphorically, both Billy Joe and Benjamin drown the same Billy night. Joe accidentally throws her doll in the same river that he kills himself in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where Billy, Bobby Lee has to go t- go with her dad into the city to sell eggs and eggs and chickens and, and milk because they, ha- they make their money from their farming. And they're crossing the bridge, the, ta- the, the Tallahatchie Bridge. The Tallahatchie Bridge. And the etiquette, because it's a one-way bridge, don't, there's only room for one vehicle at a time. So the etiquette is that whomever gets there first gets to cross, and the other person has to go in reverse and get out of the way. But they come across these three drunk hillbillies who don't want to move, and the dad decides he's going to play a game of chicken. Well, also, was, also he can't reverse. But But the gag is his truck doesn't go in reverse, and the dad doesn't. He's not going to tell these He's not going to swallow his pride and just tell these guys, I can't go on reverse. These Bama goons. But I thought that was a really interesting demonstration for Bobby Lee to see 
like the integrity that her dad had, mm-hmm. even though it made no sense. And he wrecked the family truck and spilled all the eggs and the, so, but then her dad also seemed like a reasonable man, mm-hmm. despite him doing this stupid thing. So between us, between the mom and the dad, I can see how they have this exceptional daughter because even her brother, he seems more like what you would expect of these people at this time and this place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I thought that was so well done. Um, I was laughing because I, I wrote down, you know it's bad when country white people call other country white people rednecks. Mm-hmm. That's how bad those guys in the truck were. For, uh, from Alabama, yeah. They were for real, yeah. like hillbillies. Um, I think it's funny that all the women in the town are looking for a man. All these ladies are thirsty as hell. Oh, yeah. Like, that lady that tries to pick up, she's cruising Billy yeah. Joe. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's... I thought this movie is, like... It almost feels like... It almost feels like the country version of Thoroughly Modern Millie. Because Bobby Lee is, like, a modern woman. Like, mm-hmm. she's... She's talking about... But this character in 1953, this 15-year-old girl, is talking about her body and sex in a way that I feel, like... 40-year-old women in 2022 could. Oh, no. Like, and, and it's such a, like, strangely eloquent way. Because, like, when she... Her mother talks to her about what to do when the sap gets to rising. Right. <laughs> like, oh but I God. just think, like, this girl just sounds so self-assured. And mm-hmm. so... And it was just so, like, refreshing. Like, this is... Like... Yeah, it feels like Thoroughly Modern Millie. Minus the musical part. But just, like, this woman who wants to approach life on level ground. And do what she wants to do. So impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was so funny how sprung Billy Joe is on Bobby Lee. But then once you realize he's gay, it's like he needed her. Mm-hmm. Because many gay men, if they're not obviously gay. So someone like me was obviously gay, so I couldn't pretend to have a girlfriend. Like, no one's going to believe that. But then there were a lot of guys looking back and historically, you know, who have had what we call beards. Mm-hmm. And maybe they didn't know that's what they were doing. But, like, that's what Billy Joe was trying to do. Well, they're also both teenagers acting in a way that they think they're supposed to act about sexuality right. and desires because of what they what they have been exposed to. And his disappointment, I think, it you know, clearly... Yeah, it, it hits hard and it's very sad because, it, it, I mean, I feel like I can relate to... Well, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but, but, but I feel like Billy Joe... I don't know that he was attracted to Bobby Lee sexually I think he was attracted to her intellectually and I think he needed to do this because like many gay men it's like you 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 don't want to be gay like you have to, to put on this this song and dance that this courtship like he's you know trying right? to, you're he's trying praying to... and you're begging like mm-hmm. please let this not be real and so I felt like Billy Joe wanted to have sex with her so badly to prove that he was that the feelings that he had for men were not real or not valid. Mm-hmm. So that despair that he has, once you realize that he's gay and he's so torn up about it that he kills himself, feels that much more um, powerful. And uh, they, I, I appreciate that the screenwriter took pains to make it clear, like, no, he knew it was going on and he was an active participant in it. That it, it, that it didn't become something that's like, oh, he was yeah. raped or molested and victimized. Like, he... Yeah, even though this older man having sex with this... Well, yes. well I don't know. If Billy Joe is 18, then it's not illegal. Well, but also that his boss, there's a, a problematic a, a hierarchy, hierarchy yeah. there. But also the fact that he knows... 
you can tell that he's so bothered because he knows that it was something he wanted, mm-hmm. which is the bother. That's why I said I think the handling of the subject matter, both for him, his sexuality, and Bobby Lee's body, like her sexuality, are handled in a way that is shocking for a film made in the 70s about the 1950s. Mm-hmm. But you can see, like, so uh, how nobody would really maybe champion this film, though, because, you know, uh, queer people historically uh, were, you know, faced with demeaning representation. So it's like anything terrible that happens to a gay person, there's like gay audiences don't want to consume that product, understandably. But so you have a queer audience that maybe was backing off from this as well as like straight people that were repelled by it during this time, which... I think gives this film kind of an odd lost cult status. But I highly, highly recommend it, even though the gag is no longer the gag because I've spoiled it. I think the best part of the movie is the performances from uh, Bobby Lee and Billy Joe. Glennis O'Connor and Robbie Benson, who Benson would go on to be the voice of the beast in the Disney and what about film. the what and what about the young lady? Glennis O'Connor, uh, I actually don't know. She's still doing stuff. Oh, just she's, oh, she's in the boy in the plastic bubble. <laughs> she's so perfect. Like she's so perfect in this movie. Like just her her Sex. attitude and like the like the lines she's delivering. It's it's almost like Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it has a hint of like that sassiness mm-hmm. and that you just don't expect from this country girl on a farm. Because we don't even. I mean, I think we see her carrying a book because it's the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Uh, the, I also really like the score from Michelle Legrand, who's, you know, I, I feel like I bitched about some score of his recently, but I, I really like the score and there, there's a swell that is repeated in it a lot that reminds me, I think of what Battlementi does in Twin Peaks. Mm. Very interesting. Well, we need to wrap it up. What do we have going on this week? Uh, a new Issa Rae movie, new Jordan Peele movie. Um, Are, we're seeing Nope this week? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. We're and the Issa Rae movie is like with Ashton Kutcher. And Vengeance. That's like a thriller. Yeah. she And she's a supporting role, I think. But, I'm, I'm interested in that, too. Um, you'll see 3,000 Years of Longing with Idris and Tilda. Oh, that's George right. Miller. Um, oh, of course, The Gray Man. Something. Oh, Katie Holmes directed a film. Wow, that's already four movies. I don't know about Katie Holmes. But, um, yeah. Uh, what are you reading currently? I will be finishing the gospel sound today. I've been delayed, 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 uh, and hopefully reading White Noise by Don DeLillo after that, because Noah Baumbach, Baumbach uh, directed a film that's probably going to be in Venice. Uh, Venice, I think they're announcing their lineup Ven- the 27th. Um, Julianne Moore was announced as the jury president mm. this year. You know, I didn't realize about Julianne Moore. She's the only woman to have won Best Actress Prizes in Berlin, Cannes, and Venice. Like, she took top prize in all three of those festivals. Hmm. Well, I don't know those performances, but I'm sure they were well-deserved. A Maps to the Stars, The Hours, and uh, Far From Heaven. You haven't seen Far From Heaven? I haven't seen The Hours either. Oh, God, The Hours is so good. A Map to the Stars. A Map to the Stars is Cronenberg's last film before. Oh, I haven't seen any of those. Okay. Okay. She's, she's quite good as... Uh, Havana in <laughs> Maps of the Stars. Do you have a quote for us? No, I don't have anything. Okay, so we're all done? Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye.